All right. Welcome back. This is episode eight of the Purple Haze podcast, um, hosted by myself, Josh Bass, and my brother, Jake. Jake, how's it going, man? It's going pretty good, man. Um, you know, a little upset that we couldn't pull off the big upset against Cincinnati at home, but, um, you know, obviously there's some things we did wrong there, but there's some stuff to be excited about that game. So not too upset considering, you know, how good Cincinnati is, especially seeing them play in person there, you know, as good as advertised. So feeling pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Today we're going to cover a ton, ton on Cincy, ton on, um, the bowl game announcement, um, some stuff here and there regarding the football team that has been uh, in the media over the last couple of days. And we'll also cover uh, hoops a little more in depth today um, than we did on the last pod. So um, a nice full podcast for y'all. Again, thank you guys for listening. Um, you want to follow us on social media at Purple Haze Pod on Twitter and at Purple Haze Podcast on Instagram. Um, it's been a ton of fun lately really getting to interact with different guys, getting to interact with players. And, um, yeah, we just love it. We're having a great time. Don't plan on stopping. So thank you for listening. If you enjoy it, tell a friend. And uh, if you don't want to, well, that's okay, too. We're just glad you're listening. So, <laughs> um, anyways, let's get into it. Cincy. Um, man, it was a, it was disappointing, like you said. Um, but that's because this team is, you know, building an expectation for itself. Yeah. Um, to be competitive. We've been competitive in every single game this year. Um, but I don't think that this one's any different. Um, I do think the score is a lot worse than what it actually was. Um, and there are a lot of positives to take. Um, before we start to really get into the specifics, Jake, how, uh, what's your, what was your outlook on the game? Um, just as a whole on the experience. Um, you know, as a whole, I think it was a, a pretty good experience. Like you said, um, the score looks a little bit worse than it felt, at least in the stadium. I thought we played a better game uh, than 35 to 13. Um, but, you know, beforehand being a, um, you know, a game on Black Friday, uh, we got a ton of students who don't live in the state. Um, the stadium was pretty packed um, and it was loud. Um, you could see that on Cincinnati's first drive uh, when they missed the field goal. It was really loud. So it was nice you know, to see the fans, you know, interacting and being pumped up. Um, it's been a while since we've seen fans like that. But just going to the game, not not into too much detail yet because we're about to dive into it. But, um, you know, I really thought we played decent against a really good team. And, and we were a few missed opportunities away from, you know, making that a, a really good game. So, yeah. I mean, as a – look, man, when you're playing – this is this is arguably the best team ECU's ever played. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ranking wise, it is the best team ECU's ever played. This Cincinnati team is for real. Um, if you're still kidding yourself about the whole Power Five thing, this team is for real. Um, and I think Pirate fans know that. Um, these guys have a real shot, and um, you could you could see that when we saw them live. Obviously, it's one thing to see them on TV, and you can look at their scores and say they have had some close games. But this team is very good. And like Jake said, we were, you know, we had a couple of missed opportunities and a couple of mistakes that proved crucial. And against an elite team, that's what's going to happen. And we knew that coming in. We talked about that. So, yeah, um, touching on the turnout, turnout was solid. Uh, I thought the stadium was packed. Student section 
Um, obviously wasn't quite as full as the rest of the stadium. Still a good turnout. We knew it was going to be tough being that there were no students on campus and it was the day after Thanksgiving, not even like we had an extra day um, or even even at night. I mean, it was in that, you know, afternoon yeah. on Friday, Black Friday. So um, all in all, thought it was a really good turnout. The crowd was really, really loud and you could tell early on um, that it was affecting Cincy. And I think it did later into the game too. Um that first quarter was fun, man. That first quarter was fun. Yeah. Uh, me and Jake were in the student section, and um, it was just intense, man. Uh, won the first quarter, 3-0, like Jake said. We we had the three and out. Um, they blocked the punt, but then for us to uh, to hold them there, I think we got – did we get two – one or two sacks? I know we had one sack. We might have had two sacks on that drive. can't remember. But either way, um, knocked them – you know, out of comfortable field goal range and they missed the kick. Then we went down and uh, kicked the field goal to take the lead. That first quarter was a lot of fun. Um, the crowd was rocking, but um, I think you knew that it was going to take more than that. I got the sense that everyone kind of knew it was going to take a lot more than that to take down the Cincy team. And um, we saw that in the second quarter, Desmond Ritter showing why he's a first round caliber pick. Um, really took the top off of our defense in the second quarter. What were you, uh, Jake? You were next to me, so I know how I know how you were feeling then. But yeah, take me into um, how you're thinking, looking back on that second quarter um, and what Desmond Ritter was able to do. Yeah, um, that second quarter, you know, it was tough. It was tough to you know be a fan of the opposing team in that quarter because, like you said, Ritter really showed why he's a first round caliber quarterback. I have him. Um, moving between my second and third quarterback um, in this next draft, but uh, he's he's so talented, and um, any slight bit of separation uh, that their receivers got, uh, he was able to hit him hit him with some dimes. So that was tough. Uh, like you, like we both talked about before the game, we knew that we had to play perfect, um, you know, to win this game. In the second quarter, we made a, a few mistakes, and you know, Ritter made us pay for him big time. So was, that, was, that was tough. Um, yeah, that was tough. It's just, I'm still thinking about how, you know, how perfect some of those passes were. I mean, you really fit them in there, but it's tough. Man. Yeah, I mean, uh, that first pass, that first touchdown throw, I mean, we just got burned in the secondary. Yeah. Uh, a much bigger target. And, and that's another thing we were talking about coming into the game. Cincinnati has so many elite players all over the field on both sides of the ball that, you know, you get a matchup with Leonard Taylor, and I know some people were dogging McMillan at the time. Um, yeah, you don't want to see a tight end getting behind you like that, but, um, you know, and I don't remember exactly what the coverage is. It looked like there was no safety help. If there was, it was a misassignment. But, um, you know, that's going to be tough for, for McMillan to win that matchup down the field anyways against Leonard Taylor, um, really talented tight end. Uh, just got it over the top and beat him. And, um yeah, I mean, that was their first score, uh, you know, followed by a punt from us and then a, a bomb from Desmond Ritter on the first play mm-hmm. of the next drive uh, to Alex Alec Pierce, who had a really good day. Yeah. Um, got down to the five-yard line. They were able to punch it in. And then another one, the third dagger, um, and it was another touchdown drive to ending a 28-yard bomb to Pierce. Um, so, I mean, they – look, Desmond just really um, – displayed his talent, I think, in that second quarter against a good ECU defense. 
And um, yeah, I think that there was some misassignments, but I also think that that's just what happens when you're playing an elite team. Um, but yeah, huge props to Desmond Ritter and that offense. They really, really, um, really hurt us in that second quarter to go up 21 to three going into the half. Um, our offense couldn't really get anything going, uh, you know, and it was a concern. I was concerned about us not – I said that there was a potential opportunity, and I, I still believe it for the for the run game. That's – I won't say a susceptible point for Cincinnati on the year, but that is one point – if one um, area of their team that you can say, well, maybe, you know, you can get the run going, and that can be a game changer for you. We weren't really able to do it. Um, our line kind of got outclassed for much of the night, especially the first half. And um, there just weren't really any lanes um, for the guys to run through. Um, how were how how were you feeling watching our offense in the first half? What's your what's your um, what's your breakdown of the offense and how it performed in the first half against Cincy? Yeah, like you said, um, we really couldn't establish a run game, um, and and that's tough because we're a run first team. We got two of the best running backs in the conference and uh, you know, we just couldn't get, neither of them could really get anything going on the ground. Um, and, and it's tough when you're playing a, a defense as good as Cincinnati, um, but you can't chalk it all up to just, you know, their defense being really good. We really, I mean, I know, I know they're, they're a, an amazing team. Um, so, you, you know, you don't want to be nitpicky or whatever, but uh, we just, we got to be able to block better up front against those good teams. If we're going to be able to beat them, um, and, and, and I know it's tough. Um, and I, it's, it's just, you gotta be able to open up those lanes because we became really one dimensional. Um, and that, and that caused Holton not to have his best game throwing the ball. So it's just a lot of factors that built up to it, but I think just establishing the run game is so huge for us and we, we couldn't get anything going at all. Yeah. And I, I also think that, uh, since these two elite corners, um, did a really good job. I would like to have look. I mean, those guys are, you know, NFL players. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to see, to have seen our, um, um, our one and two CJ and Omatosho um, have more success against those guys, but uh, it turned out to be the opposite, and they really shut them down for the entire game. CJ didn't have a catch. I know he was playing banged up, but he didn't have a catch. Omatosho had three catches for twelve yards. Really. Um, ineffective day uh we were able to have some success um with Sneed uh underneath and with uh Ryan Jones I thought played a good game had the one drop early that was uh crucial but I think uh you know and it was a tough catch too it wasn't you know put in the bread basket but uh, I think he had a good game Hatfield had the touchdown we've been waiting for him but I just think all in all yeah the offense just really was not able to get anything consistently going on the day and it starts up front um, look, they nobody expected them to win that matchup. You, me, and Jake would be the first to tell you, um, and that's not a knock on those guys. Um, they're just not as developed a group as Cincinnati's defensive line is. Um, but I do think that that has got to be one key focus for Houston and this staff going forward um, on the recruiting trail and and developing some of the young guys we have too. It's not it's certainly not a talent talentless room, but it, that's that's I think one of the major things right now um, between uh, ECU going from a good team to a great team. I think the biggest uh, unit that's got to see improvement is that O line. I think if you start to see the O line dominating games against inferior opponents, 
and being competitive in games against really good opponents is um, is one advantage that ECU needs to needs to have, and they don't have right now. Um, but anyways, enough on enough on the line and recruiting. We'll talk about that more in a bit. Um, like I said, first half was tough, didn't go our way. Um, but the second half uh, was a different story, especially that third quarter. Um, offense was playing better. They were moving the ball better. And um, the defense, however, is what I really want to emphasize in the second half. Um, in the second half, they, they held Cincinnati to seven points. Remember, they scored 14 points in the second half, but one was a blocked field goal that was returned for a touchdown. They held Cincinnati to seven points in that second half. Um, they also, uh, I believe both interceptions were in the second half um, by Warren Saba, who we want to give a huge shout-out to. Yeah. Absolute stud. Um, love Warren Saba. He had a really good game. And we also had two sacks, um, and that's on the day. So that's just shouting out our D-line. Um, I think one was in the second half and one was in the first. I know one was at least in the first. But either way, um, the performance of our defense in the second half, man, really, really gave our team a chance. Um, how, how how do you feel looking back now um, on just – because at the time, I didn't realize just how well they played in that second half. Yeah, I um, and, and also to note on that, they, yeah, they only gave up seven points in the second half, um, and those seven points came in the last two minutes of the game when it was exactly. pretty, it was yep. pretty clear that we had no chance to win. You know, and I think 20, it was off a turnover too, right? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's when, that's after hold through that interception. They had short field, so our defense really played kind of locked down against a really good Cincinnati offense. Um, we we've Blake Harrell's. Uh, amazing at making you know adjustments in game, and we came out in the second half and really gave give ourselves a chance to win. Um, but yeah, the second half um, was a completely different story, especially for the defense, like you said. But yeah, the offense also played a lot better. We didn't, we couldn't really convert anything into points, which was tough. Um, but yeah, the second half, I thought we came out and you know played really. It, honestly, I feel like we played three good quarters of football, but just the second quarter got away from us really bad, and we couldn't come back from it. You know, it's it, when, when you give up when you lose a quarter twenty-one to zero, it's and against a really good team, it's tough to come back from that. But I thought, you know, that quarter aside, you can't take it away, obviously. But that quarter aside, I thought we played a really good game. Yeah, I agree. Um, if you would have told me before the game that we would hold Cincinnati's offense to seven points in the second half, um, I would have said, man, we might actually pull that thing off. Um, like you said, they just really, really punched us in the mouth in the second quarter, and we weren't able to overcome it. And that's okay. Look, we yeah. said going into it that we just wanted to be competitive. And again, 35-13, to 13, you may not think it's competitive. They scored at the very end of the game off of, I think you said pick, but it was the fumble, actually, that Holden had um, that they ended up scoring oh, yeah. at the end of the game. Um, either way, though, um, turnover on our side of the field led to a touchdown on what was essentially the last drive of the game. I, you know, I, I really, really want to commend the defense of Blake Harrell yet again um, for the job they played. Um, you're playing such a such an elite team, and you'd like to see them not give up back-to-back-to-back touchdowns in the first half like they did. But unfortunately, that's that's what can happen when you're playing an elite football team. Um, there's a reason that they're a playoff team. But I will say that I was impressed a lot with our defense. Um, I just it, the offense wasn't really able to pick them up on the night. Um, another turning point in the game 
was the, you know, despite. So even going back and saying, well, which you can't, but even going back and saying, well, take away the second quarter or at least take away, you know, a touchdown or something. And, you know, this game looks a lot closer, even despite that with them being up 21 to three going into the third. um, And then even the fourth, I believe it was, was it the fourth that the field goal got blocked? Um, Yeah, because they didn't score in the third quarter. Cincinnati didn't score at all in the third quarter. Yeah, you're right. Yep. So, look, man, we're getting – it's 21-6, to and we're on the – we were on the two-yard line. 21-6, to we're on the two-yard line inside the five. Um, And then we have a devastating holding call that knocks us back, and we ended up having to settle for a field goal. People were questioning the call. Um, I don't – I didn't have a problem with it. But what what, – what do you think of before we talk about the – um, play that followed. What do you think of the the call to to kick it there? I think we were on what, like the eighteen yard line. Like I um, fourth and goal from far back. Yeah, it was a. I, I could be a little bit off, um, but if memory serves me correctly, it was a fourth and seventeen. Um, it was at least somewhere close to that. Mike Houston even said after the game, uh, "If we're looking at fourth and ten, fourth and twelve, there we go for it." But seventeen is just too much, and I I completely agree. Um, you know, that's not a high percentage. We don't have a high percentage chance to, you know, convert that into a touchdown. So Especially I don't mind. I don't. Joke. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind going for a field goal there at all. I mean, it's, it's three points versus zero. Cause there's virtually, there'd be virtually no chance we score a touchdown there. So I, I didn't mind that at all. Yeah. You take the points. Um, and it was, it was early in the early stages of the fourth quarter. Um, yeah. So you can't, you can't go, you know, all out for for six in that situation and also you got to think you know look it's a two possession game at that point you kick the field goal and then you score twice you got a chance to win rather than trying to tie it so yeah it's, uh, especially the way our defense was playing too yeah you know you, you're gonna get those chances to score unfortunately didn't happen block field goal uh had a block punt earlier but i think that this one honestly was just um a little bit unorganized on the special teams um, part. I, I think that was the play where they weren't ready. They weren't lined up, and the clock was running down. Yeah, don't want to burn a timeout, and so they snap it. Looked like Owen was a little off guard by the snap. Just, a, just. I don't. I'm not gonna speculate on whose fault it was, but just a dysfunctional play led to a block, and then Sauce, Sauce Gardner takes it 60 yards. Nobody's gonna catch him for the touchdown, and that was really the point where, you know, you look back at these games, and we said coming into it. If you're going to win a game like this against an elite team, you got to be perfect. We said that a lot. You cannot make those mistakes because a team like that's going to capitalize, and that's the definition of it there. Despite the huge second quarter they had, um, we were two yards away from, you know, scoring a touchdown, and uh, or I guess five yards because I think Sneed ran it. Yeah, yeah, two yards because Sneed ran it three yards to the two-yard line, and then we had a hold that was unrelated to the play. I don't remember if it was on Fry or what. I think it was on Fry. Uh, that knocked us back. Um, you know, you're two yards away um, from making it a one-score game. Yeah. Um, against four, in, in the third early fourth quarter against the number four team in the country, and your defense has been playing well. So, um, for people that go back and look at the score, 35 to 13, just that's one point that I really want to make. ECU was two yards away um, from making that a one-possession game, a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Um, and then catastrophe hit. Um, that's the type of stuff that's going to come with experience. Obviously, holding, you can't do much about that. But just 
um, made it really tough on our on our offense to go from the two to the you know 15 yard line and then the block field goal that was returned for a touchdown and then at that point you knew it was done um, yeah that that was that was tough um, overall though I'll say that I I do think there are a lot of positives like we um, the stuff we touched on to take from this game I really like the way our defense played I, I like the way um, and I'm not just crapping on the offense. The offense competed, man. They were yeah. outmatched in a lot of ways by an elite defense. Um, do I think they played their best game? No. Do I think that they're um, – you know, I, I'm not saying that we went out and played our best game and they were just better. Um, I do think that they're a better team, but I also think that there was a lot that we did in that game um, that was not completely characteristic of how we played the past couple of weeks. Um, like we said, our O-line play um, – they just a lot of a lot of plays were halted in the backfield. Holden got um, sacked three times, eight tackles for losses. Uh, just got really beat up in the trenches and um, were unable to really get any separation on the outside. Um, really, the only success success we had in the past game was um, dumping the ball off over the middle of the field, and then the one nice play to Hatfield for the touchdown. But um, I do like the way that this team stayed in it, twenty-one to three at half. And, you know, you fight and you are you have a chance to make it a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Um, look, man, I just I, – I know it sounds like a broken record, but things I really do think are, are really, really turned around. I think you're getting ready to see an ECU team going forward that's competing for the top of this conference. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, I think there's – a lot to be excited about when it comes to, you know, that game. Um, like you said, you can't just look at the score because um, the score doesn't really portray what actually unfolded in that game. So there's a lot to be excited about going forward, um, you know, even even into the bowl game. Um, I know we're going to touch on that in a little bit, but, um, you know, our season our season's not over now. we still got one more. It's been a while since we've, we've played a 13th game. But, uh, yeah, there, there's definitely a lot to be excited about um, for the future of this ECU team. Yeah. It's um, yeah. I just I really encourage ECU fans to to just sit back and and um, realize how how much of a turn this team has made from last year to this one, um, and just to really believe in it. They're still a young team in a lot of areas, but just the growth that we've seen—not even from last year to this year, but this year as a whole—has just been tremendous. And my hat goes off to Mike Houston in there. Um, and their staff, um, there may, you know, who knows, maybe some changes from last, from this year um, to next year. Um, I know a big one, and we we'll, we can touch on this because um, I'm sure people are want going to want to hear it. But um, Donnie Kirkpatrick is one that we're hearing a lot, um, uh, a lot of buzz about if there be a change or not. I know a lot of people weren't pleased on with him this year. Me and Jake weren't pleased a lot with him this year. Uh, thought yeah. he coach you know, some really good games and thought he um, had some questionable ones. I do not think that this was his best game. Um, but um, I also think that, look, it's it's hard to call plays when you're getting beat up front as bad as we were. Um, do I think that there was some, uh, you know, some stuff we did that um, seemed a little conservative? Yeah. Um, I, I really wish that we would have taken more shots down the field and, um, given Omatosho and CJ when he was in some 
chances at some 50-50 balls. I think you need to do that when you're playing an elite team like that. You just um, sometimes got to, you know, give yourself a chance to make a big play um, despite there being risk there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I don't think that it was Donnie's um, finest game coaching-wise. I think that all week – uh, we heard echo from the coaching staff was that we, you know, we can't play scared. We got to play loose. We got nothing to lose. And I think that the call, um, the play calling on offense was a little bit conservative. Um, but I understand the counter argument to that, that there it's, there wasn't a lot of opportunity. Um, I think it, it's a little bit on both. What do you think, Jake? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I completely agree. And we've talked about this a little bit after the game. Um, so we're kind of on the same page there. Uh, Donnie, you know, what, what by far was not his best game, and I know it's tough because that's the best defense we've played. But uh, like you said, we heard all week uh, that we had nothing to lose, and then it seemed a lot in that game like we were just, you know, playing what what a lot more conservative than we would have liked to see. So um, yeah, pretty much just echoing the same same stuff you said. That definitely wasn't his best game, but it it is tough when you're playing a a defense of Cincinnati's caliber. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see with that going forward. Um, this offseason will be an interesting one for a number of reasons. But before we get there, like Jake said, season is not over, guys. And it's been a long time since we've been able to say that. And, man, does it feel good to not be done. Uh, bowl game, military bowl. Anybody that's listening to the podcast um, leading up to this knows that that has been my first choice. I wanted the military bowl bad. I thought it made the most sense. I wanted to play somewhat close to home i think annapolis counts as that for a bowl game especially when you have a conference as widespread as ours um could end up all over the east coast and even even out in hawaii so um stoked with the military bowl in annapolis on december 27th wish it was a little bit later in the day but that's okay um and before we start breaking it down we gotta brag on ourselves we were right (laughs) we were right we predicted it We, we dropped it Anybody that doesn't follow us on Twitter um, and and Instagram, for that matter, um, you should because you get some info from us, too. Um, we're not beat writers, but um, my guy who knows a guy, uh, shout out to my buddy. Um, talk to him. Talk to him after the game. And um, he he informed me from a guy within the organization. Gosh, I sound like I'm freaking breaking top secret. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to say any names because I don't, you know, I don't know. No, um, yeah, you don't know what you can say. Yeah, you know, and then what if we get some, you know, info in the future? I don't want him to be hesitant to tell us. So, yeah, um, just want to shout out my buddy who gave us that info. Um, anyways, let us know after the game that we had already signed the contract to play in the military bowl. Um, I asked him more about it. It seemed um, really credible, and it turned out to be credible because um, we pre- we said it the night before. Uh, we were confident in that prediction, um, and and it was right. They announced it the next day. We were in the military bowl, and man, did I freaking jump for joy when I saw that. That was that was awesome, um, Jake. I know we've talked about it, but man, um, I know you're excited too that we that we got that and didn't end up in a bowl like the Myrtle Beach Bowl or something like that. Yeah. Um... Man, this the military bowl is huge for a number of reasons. One, like you said, it's not not too far away from home. Um, uh, it's a bowl game that a lot of ECU fans can go to. Um, the the other bowl that was close to home, uh, the you know people predicted ECU to be in would be the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Um, but this is so much better than that. Being able to play against an ACC opponent, 
um, instead of, you know, I don't even know who we would have played in the Myrtle Beach Bowl, um, but uh, definitely not a power opponent. Um, so being able to get, you know, a big name school um, and, and really be able to, you know, make a name for ourselves because being matched up with the ACC, um, it's no secret. Um, the ACC plays some decent football, but it's no secret that it's not as strong as it maybe once was. Um, but there's still a lot of pride um, with a lot of those schools, and, the, and they sure think they're really good. Um, so it would be <laughs> awesome to shut them up. And I also, um, you know, I don't have a lot of love for a lot of those schools. I go to ECU, a lot of those schools are around this area, and I can't stand them. So I'm, I'm really excited for an opportunity um, against one of those schools. But, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm so pumped. So pumped yeah. to be in the military bowl. And it's, a sta- um, and it's a stadium that we're familiar with, too. Um, exactly. I, th- I think that helps the players out a bit. Yeah, and it's a nice stadium, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of, from what I've read, a lot of ECU fans have already bought tickets, and I think it'll just continue to um, be the case. I think we're going to have a really good showing, um, especially when the game gets announced. They are on sale now, so you can go ahead and get them. I was looking with some friends at some different sections that we're thinking about doing now. Um, but I think you can even get tickets for as low as like 40, 45 bucks. That's on yeah. like the hill. So I don't know if y'all remember from the Navy game, but that's like the hill behind the end zone. That's not like a seated section. Um, and I think the the seats are around 70 bucks. So um, I still think definitely worth it. And I think we'll have a good showing. Another, um, another uh, thing that we predicted um, that we talked about, anybody that follows us on social media has seen it. Uh, we talked about it a lot. The same source that um, – let me get that military bowl information said that uh, um, said that we were going to be facing um, the winner of the Virginia Tech and UVA matchup um, from this past weekend. Um, that may sound weird, but obviously it's because Virginia Tech was not bowl eligible unless they won that game against UVA. Um, and I think that that was a matchup that's really intriguing um, for the military bowl. So it makes perfect sense that that's the teams that they would want. Um, you know they wanted ECU. They wanted ECU. You know, ECU is going to be the team out of the conference, out of the American that Bulls are really going to want um, just for the money that we're able to bring and, and what we're able to offer. But, um, yeah, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is a team that um, we were told if they won, we were going to be playing them in the military bowl. The sort, our source was right about what bowl it was going to be, so we have no reason to think that they're not right about this. And what do you know? Uh, a day or two after after we tweet tweet it, break the news, um, all these all these uh, media guys and no, I'm not saying they copied us. I'm saying that they probably already knew. Uh, me and Jake don't have access directly to that information, yeah. uh, so we get it from people that we know and can trust. Um, but they start to let it um, leak out a bit that they're they're predicting it's Virginia Tech too. Um, that's definitely the most that I've seen. The the biggest um, matchup that I've seen predicted by the most outlets is us versus Virginia Tech. So um, I don't know when that announcement will be made, but I'm very, very confident it's Virginia Tech. And, man, is that exciting, Jake. How, I mean, is there another team that you would rather be playing, honestly, in this game? Man, um, the only one that would even – is close to it, and I'm not even saying I would rather play them than Virginia Tech would be UNC. Um, but that, that just shows how much, uh, you know, ECU versus Virginia Tech matchup would mean. Um, I mean, obviously, we you know, every ECU fan knows that we used to have a longstanding, uh, you know, series with Virginia Tech. Um, due to natural disasters, they got a little pissed off and, and canceled it on us. So it would be awesome. Uh, to get some revenge on Virginia Tech that's been a long time coming. Yeah, I mean, that every ECU fan knows, and if you don't know, 
uh, like Jake said, we had a we had a uh, somewhat of a rivalry forming between ECU and Virginia Tech. We were playing them every year, and those games were fun, man. A um, lot of fun, really back and forth, two very, very passionate fan bases. Um, and it was awesome. And then we had the um, – I don't remember what hurricane it was. We have so many hurricanes that I can't remember. But it was um, a few years back, that hurricane that essentially got every single um, school in North Carolina had to cancel their game for that weekend um, because of – Sorry, because of the uh, hurricane, um, ECU is no different. If anything, we're worse off because we're literally an hour and a half from the coast. Um, yeah. We are the East and, Carolina Pirates. And so, Greenville floods so bad. Yeah, so we you know, we had to get the students out of there. Uh, we didn't want to go down and, and practice. Um, and, you know, we couldn't – it wasn't feasible for us to go to a different city and practice for a week and a half and, and get the guys to stay there and, you know – away from their families and stuff. So it, it just didn't make sense um, for us to play. Virginia Tech's athletic director, I guess, took that to heart, um, thought that we could play um, and that we, we should be able to just, I guess, ignore nature um, and play that game. Oh, Anyways, obviously I'm going to look at it from the Pirates' point of view, um, but it, it just seemed like a really, a really classless move. Um, on Virginia Tech's have to then get um, frustrated with that and cancel the series going forward with us. Um, yeah, obviously I'm bitter about it. I really wanted this game. I'm really, really happy that it's been – the info we've had so far um, has been that this is going to be the game, and I'm really happy that Virginia Tech won um, and beat UVA in a close game um, to become bowl eligible. I think this game is going to be huge. I think it's going to be really passionate. Uh, we do – ECU – Fans do not like Virginia Tech fans. And um, I also think that, like Jake said, playing the ACC, whether, yeah, their, their conference isn't the football conference that it had been, um, but it's still going to give you that a lot more notoriety than if you were to play a Sun Belt school um, in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. And it's going to be big for recruiting, especially if we go out and win this game, man. Um, that could be huge. And that's, yeah. a, that's something that people got to think about, man, is that our recruiting class has been getting better and better, and it seems like Houston's got a really good grasp on it. And, and this could be big, especially with the coaching changes and a lot of guys not only recruiting but in the transfer portal or recruits that are decommitting. Um, this is going to be big, man. A, a, a bowl game win against Virginia Tech, um, that would be huge. And and I think that that's, that's something that people got to think about. Um, and that, that's one of the big reasons why I'm excited for this one. Yeah. No, yeah. For, you know, I mean – I'm just, I, you know, I'm excited. I feel like a kid on Christmas ever since we became bowl eligible. Um, you know, thinking about all the matchups, um, you know, I probably went through a hundred different scenarios in my head. But, you know, like you said, I don't think there's a matchup I'd want more uh, than ECU Virginia Tech. So, um, you know, obviously we're still not 100% sure that that's what it's going to be. But, um, you know, all signs are pointing towards that. And that would be such a fun, such a fun matchup. And it that would be a well-attended game. I mean, Maryland's close to Virginia and, and uh, North Carolina. And uh, we both have very passionate fan bases. So, you know, that would be a really fun one if we can get that. Yeah. Um, really looking forward to it. Really looking to the announce- forward to the announcement in the coming days. Another announcement we're looking forward to in the coming days, hopefully. We, we honestly have no idea when this will be announced. But um, QB1, Holton, Holton Ehlers' decision. Um, nothing new on it, honestly, from the last time we talked. Um, but it's probably going to be something we have to touch on every, every episode until he does make that decision. 
Um, still don't know if Holton's going to be returning. And I don't really know that this game – you know, I don't know. I don't know uh, that winning or losing to Cincinnati um, really has any effect on it. You don't know what's going through his head. You don't really know, um, you know, who's who's in his circle and, and what they're thinking. But that is something that um, – Holton said it's a decision he's going to be making in between now and the bowl game. Um, you know, I just hope that it's made public whenever he does make that decision. Um, and I, I'm really excited for it because I mean, that's a, um, that's a big, that's a, that's a big, that's a big move, man. That's a, that's going to look changing QBs is something that happens in college football, but you, you know, most of this team is going to be back next year. So, um, big implications, and I'm not saying that him leaving is necessarily bad implications, but just big implications um, as a whole. Jake, do you have any um, of, opinions on that? Has anything changed for you? I don't really know that it could have, but as far as how you think Holton's Holton's leaning, or if you had a guess, or anything of that nature. Yeah, um, you know, I think you know anyone's guess is is. Kind of just a guess at this point, um, unless they're close in his circle, because um, I'm not even sure if he knows yet. Uh, going by that interview he had a couple, couple weeks ago or a week ago, but um, it's like you said. Um, hope he makes it public when uh, when it comes out. He said that he would make a decision before the bowl game, um, but he doesn't know if it's going to be public or not. Um, I I feel like he might not make his decision public before the bowl game, but. Uh, if it's not public shortly after he would, I don't think it's something that he would hold on to for a while. He might just not want to make it public to, you know, not have the attention on it. Um, I, I mean, this, uh, this is not even really a prediction. I just have a, I have a hunch that he already knows. I feel like Holden already knows what he's doing. Uh, I just feel like uh, the type of leader he is, he doesn't want the attention on that. Um, and he wanted the attention on Cincinnati and now uh, he's going to want it on our bowl matchup. Um, but yeah, I, really, I, I have no idea what he's doing. I, I feel like he knows, but um, I have no clue. And like you said, um, him going or him coming back, it's not necessarily, you know, good either way or, or bad either way um, for this program. Um, it's just, There's just a lot up in the air, and it's it's going to be fun to see how it plays out. Yeah. Um, a, a big a big factor in that um, that would come with that and somebody who I, I'm assuming is going to be – probably um one of the first people who's wanting to know what holton's decision is going to be is mason garcia um me and jake love mason garcia we've loved him as a prospect um we have big faith in him now i think he took some big steps this year and got to play some meaningful minutes which was awesome um sorry a big truck just drove by i hope it didn't mess up anything <laughs> no it was, it was fun okay um <laughs> but yeah mason garcia man um not only is it a big um, going to be a big decision from Holton that impacts him because he is perceived to be the next starter, but man, I mean, it, you got to think if Holton comes back and stays and plays one more year, uh, what does that mean for Mason? Yeah, I, I, I really feel like he he probably would transfer at that point. Um, yeah, I don't know that he would be. Because, you know, at, at that point, once Holton's done, then he's definitely got the job after that. But then what does he have? You know, he's got two years left of eligibility. So um, I think by next year, I think Mason's done a fantastic job in that QB room of being patient, especially being the profile of 
the you know the recruiting profile that he was. Mike Houston came in and said he's the most talented quarterback that ECU you know that ECU's ever recruited, um, and I agree. But man, I I just think that that's that's another big thing that's going to be weighing in on uh, Mason's mind is Holton's decision. I think it's something that's definitely weighing in on Mike Houston's mind right now. Um, do you think that that do you think? Yeah, I don't know how these discussions go, but do you think that that's something that Mike Houston might be taking into consideration when he's having these discussions with Holton about Holton's future, um, you know, with the team? Yeah, no, it, it definitely has to be. Um, this is this has got to be a tough decision for for all parties involved because obviously Mike Houston loves Holton Aylers and what he's done for this program. And, you know, we all have to love Holton and what he's done yeah. uh, for this program. But But like you said, you know, we're, we're big believers in Mason Garcia, uh, first four star to ever uh, commit to ECU at a high school. And he's as so talented. And he has, yeah. And he's, um, he's so talented. He's, uh, he's made some great, great strides with this program. And I will say, like you said, um, I think one of them's on the team next year and one of them's not. I don't see a scenario where both of them stay because, um, like you said, it would seem like Mason would have the job the year after, but then. Uh, you know, what does that mean for Walter Simmons and, and the other quarterbacks we're bringing into this room? So um, I don't know, man. It's it's tough because Holden's played really well. Um, but I will say, uh, you know, I, I appreciate everything Holden's done. And, and I won't I'm, I'm not going to be super upset if he's the quarterback next year. But I really want to see Mason Garcia uh, be quarterback for this ECU team. Um, um, and I feel like if Holden stays next year, then it's that's never going to happen. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that. Yeah, I, I, just to piggyback off of you, I, I feel like if you're just looking at it as sitting, stepping back and looking at the situation as a whole, Holton came in with the intentions of turning this thing around, and he did that. Um, obviously, there's a lot of other factors that did, but he was a major, major part of turning this organization around. And we, we had the year, you know, his, his senior year, we had the year he's getting ready to graduate where he, you know, we had our ups and downs, but he had some really big games and, and was a, a, the leader of this team and led us to a bowl game and really turned that corner, which is the hardest hardest thing to do in a rebuild. And, and you know, he was able to succeed and do that. I think ECU is going to be forever. ECU football will be forever um, indebted to him um, for that because it takes a special person to stay. And I think he saw it through. Um, and I do think he's an ECU legend. Um my favorite thing that I've been saying is that Holton is Greenville, and I do believe that. But I also think that if you're looking at the program, and Mike Houston, if he's looking at the program going forward, the next step, um, you know, I, I'm not so sure that Holton returning for another year and um, after him graduating from college and him returning for another year for that next year um, makes total sense with that. I do think that you need to move forward, and I really think that um, – Mason being as talented a prospect he is and, and making the strides that he's made. Um, I, I think that it just makes a lot of sense for this to be Holton riding off into the sunset um, and, and the team moving on. And look, if Holton decides to come back, I'm not going to be upset. I'm not saying that at all, yeah. um, but I like, I like Jake um, really, really like Garcia and like his potential within this offense and, and would really like to see that next year. So we'll leave it at that. Um, but anyways, yeah, just a really important decision. Last thing on football, um, Gilbert, John Gilbert had a, um, our athletic director had the 
um, interview today. Um, I didn't catch the full thing. I just read some quotes, but um, I know that he is, he said that they're in the final stages of extending Mike Houston um, and, and obviously giving him a significant amount uh, more and giving not only him, but uh, uh, throwing a lot more money into the assistant coaches pool too. Um, and talked about the importance of in the ECU's commitment to investing in the football program. And I think that that's literally exactly what all of us wanted to see happen after the season and here today. Um, so Jake, I, like I said, I know we, we are going to know more in the, in the coming days and weeks, but uh, man, it's gotta feel good to hear that. Yeah, no, I, um, you know, I think everyone in Pirate Nation, you know, can agree. Uh, so definitely me and you agree. I absolutely love John Gilbert and everything he's been doing, um, you know, for ECU. And uh, and I love Mike Houston, everything he's done. And and he's not done yet. And uh, I'm really excited that those conversations are going well. Because um, he's – as a, and I know he was, you know, his first time coaching at the FBS level. Um, but, um, you know, he's proven it now and he, he deserves a big pay raise and his uh, – his uh, staff deserves a pay raise too. So I'm excited to see what that is. I hope it's, um, I hope the figures are pretty big because um, I want to keep Mike Houston around for a long time. And I, and I, and I feel like it, uh, you know, they're going to make him a good offer. And then as long as we're uh, starting to win and, and the fans are getting into it and supporting, you know, you know, by coming to the games and, and with donations as well, I think that we have the potential to build a, a bit of a dynasty here you know, you see you. I really love, I mean, I was, I was, you know, I said this to anybody, um, but, you know, unless their name is Nick Saban or Debo Sweeney, I don't know if there's a coach I want more than Mike Houston right now. Um, yeah, yeah. He's, he's awesome. And we, we definitely, it'll be nice. Uh, it'll be a big relief when we finally get that contract out. I, I'm, I'm just really excited. I'm, I'm really happy to hear John Gilbert say that and that it's happening now. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I know that Houston has said he loves Greenville. He loves the area. His family loves being here. And, and we sure do love him. And I think this is just the start. So um, you want to have a shot at keeping a guy like that, then you got to make it um, more worth his while um, for him to not jump ship. Um, I, I'm not of the camp that was worried that he's going to be gone after this year. I don't think that he's probably, you know, I'm sure maybe he'll get a couple calls, but I don't think that he's going, I don't think that he was going to get an offer from a, a really big school. Um, this offseason, I just think that um, they're going to want to schools are going to want to see a bit more of a turnaround before they do that, which gives us a perfect opportunity to get give him a better contract, put more money into the football program, pay his assistance more. Um, you know, if he wants if look, if he wants a new offensive coordinator, um, somebody come and run a, a bit more of a modern modern, not 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 to say Donnie doesn't, but just just want somebody um, a bit somebody that intrigues him. Um, on any part of the staff, not just offensive coordinator. Um, he's, you know, giving him the ability to go and pay somebody um, to get them to come that otherwise wouldn't, I think it's going to be huge for him. So um, there's a lot that goes into it, but I'm just really excited to see that. Um, let's go ahead and make the jump uh, over to men's basketball. Um, last time we spoke, I believe it was uh, leading up to that Oklahoma game. Um, another one of those games where we were saying we just wanted to be um, competitive in, and that we were. Um, that was a that was a a, a tight game. Uh, I believe what were we down by one going into the second half? I'm having trouble pulling it up now, of course. Um, but I'm sorry. 
What'd you say? Who, man? Yeah, you hear me? Oh, uh, yeah, I can. Yeah, I didn't say anything. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, yeah, um, I we were competitive in that game, man. We looked good. We looked good. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh it, it was uh it, it was important for this team we hadn't really played um hadn't really had much competition honestly leading into that game and we we lost the game it was a tight game we lost it uh as a really good team um and and they kind of took over late but uh, i think it was a it was a good showing for our guys um i think it was a, a really a really positive thing to see um, in non-conference play it is 79 to 74 loss. Um, you know, we, we played them tight. We're winning for much of the first half. We're down 39, 38 coming in the second half and just got outscored, uh, late by Oklahoma. But I, I think that was a really good game and, and, a, a really good showing in that one from Tristan Newton. Um, we'll, we'll break, we'll, we'll break down briefly the, the games that we played, um, from then to now, but Jake, uh, how, how'd you feel watching that Oklahoma matchup? You know, I was I was happy with the way we played against Oklahoma. Um, we were talking before the game, and uh, obviously you want to win any game. And we were in, you know, we had a few chances to win that game, so that that hurts a little bit to lose anytime you got a chance to win. But um, you know, when you're playing it, when you're playing a quality Big Twelve opponent uh, like Oklahoma, you just you just want to play well, um, especially you know the way ECU basketball has been for a while now. Uh, you just want to play well, and we did that. So. Um, you know, I'm 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 happy with the way we played in that game. Uh, you don't really have any complaints here nor there. We there was a couple things in the last couple of minutes of the game that we did wrong, but uh, it's still a young team that is um, you know with a lot of transfers that aren't you know necessarily comfortable playing together yet. So that's going to take some time. But yeah, I thought I thought we played well. I thought we played really well. Yeah, the 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 game following that um, still at the Myrtle Beach Invitational. Obviously, we're in the constellation bracket at that point. We played ODU. Um, we get the rematch tomorrow against ODU. This might drop on the day of, actually. Um, this will probably drop. We're recording this Monday night, the 29th, so this will probably drop early on the 30th. Um, but rematch against ODU tomorrow. Uh, the first one, I, I think it was one of our better performances on the year. It's a chippy game. Um, man, was that a chippy game. Uh, so yeah. it's going to be fun for them to come and, and play in Greenville at Minji's. Um, Tristan had a great game. Uh, 18 points. He had back-to-back 18 points, 18 point games. He had four rebounds, six assists. It was really one of his best, one of his best games on the season. Um, Brandon Johnson off the bench. Who I'm, I'm freaking starting to love. 16 yeah. points, nine rebounds. Uh, Suggs, Suggs is really, as of late, cemented himself as a a veteran cog in this in this machine. And um, you know, he played well. 10 points, three rebounds, three assists. Um, uh, Jake, tell me if you feel the same way. I, I would like to see this team and I tweeted it that it seemed over the past couple of years that these Joe Dooley teams are really struggling to put two, two good halves of basketball together. Um, didn't get, didn't get beat in the second half of the ODU game, but only outscored ODU by one point, um, you know, as opposed to the 12 point um, lead we had going into the half. Um, it, and it'll segue us into the Davidson game. Um, but how 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 do you feel? How do you feel about that? About that that thought that um, we we really haven't seen um, against you know against the the better opponents. We really haven't seen two good halves, dominant halves of basketball from the CCU team. Yeah, that's um, you know, it's it's a uh, it's something that when you see it a couple of times, 
you don't really think much of it, but once it becomes, you know, a trend, you start to get a little concerned. And, um, you know, I'm just, I, I can't remember how the first couple of games of the season went, uh, but I'm just looking at our, uh, you know, basketball schedule up to this point. Um, it, every game, at least, you know, from Western Carolina on, uh, the first half and the second half were completely different games played by us. Um, and, and not if, if that's going to happen, it, it wasn't the way you want it. Um, you know, we played well in the first half, come out in the second half and don't play as well. Maybe not the Western game as much. We were pretty much in control of that whole game, but um, at least the last four games. Um, and we'll touch more on those, you know, some of those games in a little bit. But, um, you know, the first half and the second half, we just looked like a completely different team and, and not the way you want it to be. So, you know, it is starting to get a little concerning uh, the way that's unfolding. Yeah, and the, the prime example of why that's dangerous is the Davidson game. Um, yeah. I think Davidson's a pretty quality opponent. They're a good basketball program consistently, um, and they got some really good shooters. Um, we, we were dominating that game early. I mean, the first half we were up 45 to 34, uh, dominating offensive performance, and then got destroyed in the second half, 42 to 22 to lose that game, uh, 76 to 67. Um, they, they rain down threes and really when you're playing Davidson, that's kind of the one thing that you need to expect. They're going to look to, to hit the three. They're, they're going to be looking to, to get open, open shots at the perimeter and in the second half, man, where, were they able to get those it's one thing if they were just hot from three and hitting a bunch of contested shots, which they did some in the first to keep it somewhat close, but my goodness, we did not look good in that second half. And, and it, uh, you know, and that, that inability to play too good has the basketball really reared its ugly head in that one. Um, me and Jake watched that game together um, in Raleigh. Tristan Newton did all he could to keep us in it. He had 28 points, but uh, not a whole lot else scoring wise. Vance Jackson had a decent game, 12 points. Uh, 11 rebounds, one of his better games, but really nothing doing across the board outside of that, and and not much defense to be had in the second half. Yeah, yeah, that was that was tough to watch. You know, after after the first half, you really think the ECU is going to come out and put it away. Um, and then we just, like you said, had no no answers for the three. Um, I would like to say, I mean, I I don't know, it's tough. I would like to see RJ Felton out there a little bit more um, in the second half, just for his defense. Um, he's, you know, he, he's ridiculous at defense. He's a, you know, true freshman. If you guys don't know who he is, uh, yet, but he's a, he's a really talented, talented guard. He's going to be really good for the team, but, um, you know, he, his, his offense isn't quite there yet. So then, you know, you take that away. We were having trouble scoring anyway. So, um, I just, I don't know. That that was really, you know, disappointing to see us come out and only score 22 points and give up 42, um, in that second half. Yeah. And I, uh, I agree. I think we do got some young, talented players, especially RJ Felton, and he's starting to get more minutes as the season goes on. So that'll be really fun. Also, think that we really um, need to get Winston Tabs back and into the lineup because yeah. he's going to be a game changer. Winston Tabs, the Boston College transfer, shooting guard, um, uh, probably a combo guard, honestly. But he 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 can score, and I think that that's going to be really important for us, um, especially at the perimeter. So um, missing him. Um, we did, we did rebound with a win off of the Davidson game, had a little bit of a break, um, then played Coppin state, um, on sad this past Saturday, uh, and, and won. not really, for some reason we don't play Coppin state. Well, I don't know why, uh, 
we beat them, but man, we it was an ugly game, and uh, we won on a buzzer beater from Tristan Newton um, to end the game. So you can't complain too much with a win. Um, a bad win's better than a good loss, but um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's tough. You you want to you want to be stoked about that, but how happy can you be with a seventy to sixty eight win over Common State? Brandon Suggs played really good. Uh, I like Brandon yeah. Suggs a lot, and obviously Tristan Newton. Um, wanted to see him be a bit more aggressive at, at parts, but he still ended with 16, um, four and five, and he hit the game winner. Um, so a buzzer beater at home is always fun. Um, what's your take on that? I mean, beating a, a one and nine, I know they played some close games, but being a one and nine Coppin State team, one and eight at the time, um, on a buzzer beater, you really would like to, to not get to that point. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, 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 we don't really have to beat around it. Coppin State's one of the worst teams in college basketball, um, Division One. They're really bad. And uh, to win a, on a buzzer beater like that, uh, I think that's one of those games where you just come out and say, thank God we won. Um, kind of like the, you know, hopefully that's a turning point, like the ECU uh, Charleston Southern uh, football game earlier in the year. That's one of those games where it's like, okay, we learned a lot of lessons. In this game, thank God it didn't come with a loss um, and that it still counts as a win. Um, but I will say, and this is for, you know, every year, every team, um, I don't like to really judge a college basketball team too much until at least, you know, non-conference play is over with because, you know, teams grow a lot. Um, a lot of times you're just trying to, especially right now, you know, we're missing one of our best players, kind of just survive in advance. Um, but uh, I like the play style that we're playing with this year. I think with, you know, we're, we've really been able to open up the floor. Uh, I think we've been shooting the three pretty well. Um, and, you know, even defensively, I like some of the stuff we've done. But uh, I, I will say that I think uh, we're playing pretty sloppily right now. Um, there's a lot of mistakes. Um, hoping that they get ironed out. But um, overall, I like the style that we're playing. But it's just way too many mistakes at this point. Yeah, and going into uh, to tomorrow – um, the ODU game, another matchup. Uh, teams have already played each other. ECU won uh, fairly convincingly. Um, now playing at home, like we said, a really chippy game. So uh, I'm sure there will be some emotions. ECU's playing at home. Haven't lost a home game yet this year. Um, really, really, really would like to see uh, this team come out and just have a dominant performance. ODU, you know, they're not a great, not a great basketball team. They've had good teams in the past. Not a bad um, – not a bad organization by any means, um, but I think this is a really big chance for, for ECU to come in and, and win at home um, and, and get that convincing win. Um, not a not a ton of tough games coming up. You know, we got that, Gardner-Webb, NCA&T, and then Liberty will be our, you know, one of the bigger matchups that we've had um, pre-conference play. But, yeah, I think that this is a, a, a really big opportunity for us to come in, and I'd like to see a – I really would like to see a, a convincing win from this ECU team. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, uh, unfortunately, I uh, won't be able to make it to that game. Um, I am in Greenville, but I have, uh, other plans, but I'll be following the game. Um, and I, and I do think we're going to play well. It's a team that we've already played. Um, but yeah, I, I like our personnel a lot. I think we're going to come out. I think we're going to play well. Um, I kind of just want to throw that cop and say game away. Um, because before that I felt pretty good about the way we've played, but um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident we're, we're a much more talented team than ODU, and I'm hoping that um, we get another double-digit win against them like we did earlier in the year. Yeah, well, that'll about wrap it up for uh, for this week. Um, 
just to conclude, man, we, we really, me and Jay can't emphasize enough how much fun we have doing this. We started this um, with no intent of it, you know, even we're not sitting here trying to, you know, build this, you know, big, big follower base and, and, you know, and try to get, you know, doing it for the clout or anything like that. We just started this because, uh, you know, we, we talk ECU sports all the time and are really passionate fans and, and think that this school deserves um, deserves it. And um, so I just want to, you know, thank everybody who's been listening. Thank everybody who follows us and um, has been giving us positive feedback, man. It's, it's been awesome. It's much more than I expected, much sooner um, than I expected. Um, and it just makes it so much more fun, man. We aren't stopping. Um, we're, yeah. not, we're not, like I said, we're not doing this for anything other than um, for the love of it. And uh, just wanted to thank everybody for listening, man, and, and engaging with us. Um, it's been awesome. We're not, we're not um, going to slow down in the off season in case anybody's wondering about that. Uh, you know, we, we are uh, huge, huge fans of ECU football, basketball and baseball. So, um, we're going to be here for all of it, um, breaking it down and, and, you know, we're going to get creative in the off season and, um, you know, see what, see what we can do with, um, with our podcast, implementing different segments and stuff like that. But we just, we just, I, I, you know, I just really wanted to, to thank everybody that's listening and, and been engaging so far. Cause man, I'm, I'm having a blast. Yeah. No, yeah. You know, kind of just exactly what Josh just said. And we really appreciate all you guys listening. Uh, to this point it's been a it's been a ton of fun uh, being able to interact with you guys um and and like josh said you know we, we're doing this because we we love ecu uh, we love all these teams um and then uh we just have so much fun talking about it so um we appreciate all the support you know you guys have given us uh you know up to this point and, and uh we're not planning on stopping anytime soon yeah all right well that'll do it for this week um available well you know this if you're listening to it available everywhere <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, if you like it, tell a friend, if not, that's cool too. Just glad you're listening and, um, yeah, go pirates, baby. <laughs>